Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Michael Daniels. How's it going tonight, Mike? It's going great, Dennis. How's life for you this week? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm a little little tired, a little worn out. Why's that? You've been um, working at the house? A little bit, finally. I know it's uh, sort of a, a running quote-unquote joke in our circle of friends. I've been working <laughs> on this on this house renovation project for a couple years. It's, you know what's worse about this is that it's been documented, I think, in our very first episode. We talked about it. And so, so everyone's going to yeah. be like, oh, man, since the very first time. The first time, yeah. It's been yeah. – and it's, you know, it's complicated. Uh, there, there's backstory that I won't go into on the show. But, <laughs> uh, you know, at the very best, I'm working with what's left after, you know, working a full-time job and right. not having most of the relevant skills myself. But right. anyway – um, made it. But over we love there. it. We love hearing about it. We love hearing, yeah, hearing yeah. the new steps. So, little... so what, what did you do this week? Um, yesterday, made it over there to um, lay down tile in the new bathroom on the second oh, that floor. Terrible tiles, horrible. I, you know, I actually didn't mind it. It's really, it's something I've never done. Um, I've done a fair amount of like, I call it crafty, but like woodworking kind of projects. You know, yeah. with a you know with a sander and and some some polyurethane and and table saw kind of stuff, which I'm fine with. Like you mess something up, you maybe cut it again. You you move stuff around. It's a completely different world than house construction. Um, what what I told my my dad after we had gotten it done, I'm like, I appreciated how like it's it's hard. Like it's it's physically taxing to be crawling around on the floor in this very small room. But after not very much time, an hour or two, I could look behind me and see what, what was a really ugly, you know, cement board floor was now tile and it's not done. It still has to be grouted and all of that stuff. Yeah. But compared to the other stuff that we had been doing, which was like, opening up walls, putting up new headers, a lot of two-by-four framing, um, ripping up old floors so that we can try to level them out a little bit, which I think I've talked about on the show before. Like, everything we've done up to this point has been ugly. And mostly yeah. and mostly making things aesthetically worse. Now, <laughs> ultimately, okay. it's going to be better, you know, opening a big space between the kitchen and the dining room is you know going to be a, a net improvement eventually but you haven't been able to have the the, the good looking stuff yet until <laughs> yeah now. it's a long ways to get there and on the second floor we we built walls we tore down walls we hung drywall but the process to get a wall a, like paint and everything is so many more steps at least yeah, this right. is how it seems to me at this point. When I get into grout and stuff, I might change my change my mind a little bit. But it's like once drywall is up, you've got to mud and tape and maybe mud again and sand and clean up all that dust and then prime and then paint usually at least two coats. And then we've had the unfortunate situation of um, finding mistakes and imperfections like either after the primer or even after the first coat of paint. And we're like, well, you know, depending on what it is, like maybe you leave it, but I'm a little bit particular about 
about that depending on what it is and so i'm like yeah we can't we can't leave that we got to patch it and now there's mud on the wall again and you got to sand and prime like there's so many steps and so much time and then it still doesn't look right it still doesn't look good (laughs) and i'm like you know i've been i've been on this bathroom floor for an hour and i can see this tile and it looks nice it looks like you've done something good it was it was so fast from from start to to actual progress visible progress Um, yeah and we did of course um make the 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 what do you what do we want to call this like the big mistake like the first rule of tile is to buy more than you need oh yeah yeah oh that's right yeah okay yeah 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 you had said that like you had to run out or something i heard thinking back we bought this tile a couple weeks ago and i'm pretty sure what happened is a combination of our numbers were rounded because the room is not a square there's kind of a jog in it which doesn't make any sense if i try to explain it with no pictures but um there's sort of two square areas that you put together to get the square footage. And so I think we kind of ballparked that number. And then also the store only had so much tile. And so we bought all of it. And then we're short by about two, two and a half square feet worth of tile, which is not that much. But it's enough that we were like, well, we've got the mortar wet and everything if we stop now we'll have to mix mortar again just for this little bit that's left and it won't dry at the same time and it's going to be a big hassle so we drove out to the to the um the diy store which is like a half an hour from here because okay. I, li- I live out in the middle that's right, of nowhere yeah, on the sticks and uh but we you know we succeeded at that we got it done and uh be out since I've gone to the trouble of explaining it all for our listeners, I'll put a I'll put a picture on the website. Yeah, um, you, uh, do you still keep you maintain your uh, your brew house page? Um, I haven't in a while, just because n- nothing has happened worth documenting. But um, I well, I you do should, you should you should throw up some stuff and then put it out. Yeah, I put it in the I show do have some so pictures. I put them on Instagram, so I'll I'll also put them up there when I have. When I have some spare time, uh, that's drakesbrewhouse.com. I'll link to it from yeah, it, from the put website. Put in the show notes for us. Yeah. Why don't you? Uh, won't you remind our listeners where that where to go for that? Uh, on you can go to the frontporchpodcast.com to check out the uh, all of our bios, info pick, check link to all of our episodes. Uh, my, uh, I would say episode three is pretty fantastic if you're starting from the beginning. If this is your first one, but then skip on straight to like episode 10. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can get everything. You can contact us there, frontporchpodcast.com, and we'll have uh, a link to all of our show notes, things that we discuss on the on the episode this week, as well as the link to drakesbrewhouse.com, which is yep, our good yep. stuff. Um, so what but do what we do this week? We got, hey, let's, I made the mistake last week of doing the, um, the weekly challenge and then doing the weekly challenge, like making the new one. Uh, okay. Let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the weekly challenge first. And at the end of the episode today, we'll, we'll assign the new one. Okay. That's normally, I think that's what we did the first couple of weeks. We were, we were thrown off a little bit last week by, 
by Fox being here. Not in general. In general, right. the the flow of the show I felt like re- went really well, but our weekly challenge, quote unquote, format was thrown off a little bit. But anyway, right. well, let, let, let's let's do let's talk about mute mute. Yeah, yes, that was starring um, one of the Skarsgård guys, the one of the young ones. Yeah, uh, is er- it Alexander? Eric, I'm not- Eric Northman. Eric. Right, Eric Northman. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's from True, True Blood, Blood, right? Yeah. Yes, True Blood. That's actually how I, I mean, know him from. But he's he's done I mean, a lot what? more stuff. But that's what I I, I, de- I definitely did not watch True Blood. Who told you that? Uh, I I did. <laughs> I, I did. I I did. I'm I'm making a joke. I say I, I was I was uh, dating someone and and her guilty pleasure was was True Blood and she, she was like you should watch this. I was like okay and I did and I powered through. All the seasons, and some of those. Took I mean, a lot, I so. I still will name that show on on probably somewhere in my top five of most insidious hang uh, hangovers, cliffhangers. Right, like oh, to, this it's the worst. Yeah, that's to to the point where they would end an episode in the middle of a scene. You know, the main character walks into her house or walks into somebody's house and sees legs like you just see shoes and pants like ankles and a pool of blood and they roll credits and you're like i mean right. i can't not find, especially because i watched it like when it was almost done and so there were most of the seasons were already out like i couldn't not watch the next one and find out who <laughs> the heck is dead or maybe a vampire yeah yeah that, that's a that's a what we I think there's that show I don't know how we got on True Blood, but how that show falls squarely in the CW category of, of shows. Except it's except it's made by HBO, so it's Yeah, yeah, but it's it's still very drama y CW there, with you there, know, there's actual and, there's actual adult content. Yes. Right. Um so going back to, to this one, um Mute. Yeah. It was got it's got I think his name's Alexander Skarsgard. It's a scars guard, but he, it's right. got him in it. it he, I know his dad's more famous, mm-hmm. um, but he's got him in it. And uh, Paul Rudd are Paul the Rudd. main stars. And yep. so I will say, you mind if I start? Let's start. Go for it. Uh, I thought, I, I think this falls on the line of our uh, A to F scoring, you know, C, <laughs> C rated shows. It's okay. a, it feels like a B movie. Um, not because it's cheesy or anything, just because it doesn't have everything you need to make a good movie. It doesn't have like writer. It feels like it's not really experienced writers. And the mm-hmm. the acting was fine. It was good. I thought mm-hmm. Skarsgård didn't elevate the role and he didn't make it less. Um, I never felt, a re- personally, I never felt like a real connection to the main character. Um, well, so we're going to... Yeah, it's an, inter- it's an interesting character right because and it's and it's i'm sure a unique challenge for an actor to play a character who never speaks yeah and and that's i'm sure you know when watching this show i felt that that's probably why some of these actors took the role is because they all sounded very interesting and and it's not that they weren't it's just it didn't come together you know and yeah uh, a lot of a lot of interesting ideas never seemingly never fully realized and the the atmosphere of it the the world building reminded me of some 80s 90s sci-fi not sci-fi but like 
dystopian future sci-fi. Right. And I, it doesn't seem to be set that far in the future. I think the implication is that the it, the film starts in present day when um, the main character is a boy and then jumps 30 years in the future, which, you know, for an 80s sci-fi being set in the 2040s or 2050s is considerably into the future. The the um the act so yeah the acting was was okay um i will say that um oh i forget his name again the 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 antagonist um cactus was his thing what um ball red all right was yeah. good I, th- I thought he took this as like oh uh and uh, we should say you know spoilers again i don't know why we need to say that anymore but <laughs> uh we'll talk about the whole show here um, I thought that Paul Rudd was good. I think he took this part from the fact that he's like, oh, I get to play a, a bad guy, crazy bad guy. And he was okay. I, I always seen Paul Rudd, like everyone, in these romantic comedy, jokey type fun things because he's just so good at it. Um, and he has yeah. that for the first half of the movie, sure. But he he did seem like, oh, man, Paul Rudd could be, if he was actually a psycho sociopath, could be freaky. Yeah, I mean, like, when he pulls out the knife in that casino or something with the peanuts, I thought yeah, it was well done. Yeah, a little bit like, I don't know, I think I think in D&D terms, you'd almost call him lawful evil. Y- yes. Maybe chaotic, but I think he leans more toward lawful, especially in his relationship with uh, Duck, his his buddy. Right. His armory buddy. Now, now I will say the pedophile. The, the, you, you can't, yeah, right. You can't, you can't talk about this movie without. I think everyone would have to agree that it's slow as molasses, real like, slow, real slow. And 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 that's probably the the one thing that's holding it up. It's a two hour show that should have been an hour long show. It, it doesn't have. I don't think it's got a lot of premises to it. It doesn't have anything. It's a straight up, uh, you know, what happened to the to the girl movie. And yeah, the only just difference a, just is just a straight yeah. up mystery. And like, I feel like you could summarize the plot, including all of the major like twists and reveals in about two paragraphs. Yes. Right. Easy. Like, like if you Easy. condensed it down into. I don't even know if there was a lot of twists. I mean, just a few. Not, not even re- not even really that much. Like the reveal of the of the doctor being a pedophile was the kind of a thing. And right. You know, maybe I, I was, I was kind of, I watched half of it last night and then finished it over lunch. I was not really dozing off, but having a real hard time staying focused on it in the first act. Um, and so I wasn't really sure what was going on. The, like the, the, the twist of, um, Paul Rudd being the, the ex of the girl was maybe, I mean, maybe it was foreshadowing and I just wasn't paying attention. Um, but that felt like kind of a surprise. Um, I think again, just because it, it wasn't holding my interest and that it didn't at all. That, that says a little something about me, but I, I feel like it also says a lot about this, this movie and the way that the story is told there, you know, this suffers from, Poor editing is what mm. I think it is. And, and maybe it's because if they would have edited it, edited it better, it would have been 45 minute movie. Right. And, and that's it. And so it's like, Oh, we got to do some, some topics and maybe, I don't know, maybe the writer director 
felt that he had some things to say about a lot of different things and you really didn't need to. I, I honestly think the pedophile part was unnecessary. I think that there was so many times in that, that show that they, you got across that that's what his thing was and that he, mm-hmm. that's why he was bad. And, and it does make for a very dramatic shot when he turns the camera to the dying Paul Rudd and you see him walk in there and grab the little girl. And that yeah, makes it all, like terrifying of, right there. All of that felt strange to me. Like if you, I felt, I felt like the movie was ending there. And I'm, I looked yeah. at the I looked at the the time scrubber, and I'm like, oh, maybe there's just a lot of credits or something. And then they go into this whole post thing with what he does with um, Leo, the main character, and it's all just kind of neatly wrapped up, um, you know, in a way that you know, if it was a true psychological thriller or an episode of Black Mirror, it would have just ended with the friend carrying the daughter out like it the only the only thing i think you can say in defense of that whole arc is that it gives um paul rudd's character a little more nobility right a little more goodness yeah i guess but it's weird that it's weird that they would make him you know i don't know relatable Hmm. I mean, I'm not relatable. You said like makes him good, but I don't know. I mean, at some point I thought he was good. And then at the end, they really make him bad. It, I don't want to say it's out of the blue, but it's like the last 45 minutes. They just all of a sudden switch this guy into evil mode. Right. And, and I don't know. That whole first hour. I almost say you could skip the first hour. Just watch the second <laughs> half. There, watch, there's no real need. Watch the first, watch the first 10 minutes yeah. to establish Leo and uh, Nadira and yes. Paul, like you pretty much get all of those characters established. Um, yeah. And then, and then skip quite a ways forward. Interestingly enough, I feel like it might have been improved by being seen in the theater. Right. Sort of really sort of captive audience distraction free. Right. Yeah. Because, because the main character is mute, because he doesn't talk, there's not a lot of dialogue. There, There is dialogue, but it's one person talking and him, you know, nodding and emoting and whatever, and it, which is, you know, a big part of the challenge for him as an actor. But if you're watching it, and it's a Netflix original, so that's a sort of weird place for it to, to live because I feel like Netflix, by definition is something that you have on that you're not giving 100% of your attention to. You know, you're somewhere between, you know, you're watching The Office for the fifth time and you're giving it like 20% of your attention. Or you're in a room full of people watching and you're on your phone checking which which actors are what and you're giving it like 80 to 90% of your attention. Right. And obviously, I'm making those numbers up right off the top <laughs> of my head. So don't, don't quote me on any of that. But... um it's because so much of the storytelling is in the visual right in the cinematography in the in the emotion in the emoting right with no dialogue because he doesn't talk um everything i feel like you miss at least for me like i missed some of the clues but again n- none of that excuses 
the fact that it it takes so long to tell such a straightforward story. Yeah, it it did, and it, it, and it really it took... and it really is pretty straightforward. Like here's this guy, and there's all this context about him being Amish. You know, for me living in a place where there are Amish, none of that makes sense to me at all. Because yeah, all the I, Amish I, people I know go to the hospital, get right. get stuff that they and if you and if you leave the the Amish faith community as as Leo's character appears to have done, you're you're shunned, you're excommunicated and so you most of them just become normal normal people who are relatively uneducated because they only go to school through eighth grade um they don't like live in the world as just very conservative guys that still wear suspenders and stuff but still like sleep with a girlfriend they're not married to like none of that made sense at all it was just like you know the writers maybe maybe there's there's a different community of and 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 faith type of of Amish near where the writers have been exposed to in their lives and and you know they're coming at it from a different perspective but that that was hard for me to not be distracted by uh, from my own experience also in his apartment you see all these photos and one of the uh, one of the particulars about the Amish faith is that they don't get their picture taken it's the yeah. It's the weird like stealing their soul, graven image thing, right? And he's got an apartment like full of photos of him and his family, and I'm like, yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> Just, yeah, right. That's but but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on this. It was not, um, you know, it was no, it was no Black Mirror. Um, right, right, yeah. It but, wasn't it wasn't that bad? But it was, but it was a it was a step below uh, what happened on Monday. And you know, uh, Do you, yeah, you think so? F- full, di- yeah, full, dis- full disclosure: when when I suggested that we do a weekly challenge, it was not my intention for everything we watch to be challenging to watch. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, right. Uh, it's just, it, it just what whatever. Maybe we're bad at at, at picking stuff for this, but uh, well, we'll get something better this week. Yeah, I, I, I have good faith in this one. Pick pick something um, a little I, bit funny. Yeah. The, now, the, a couple things. Let's say before we bagged on this one too much. Sure. I, um, a, a couple things that were okay about it. Um, I, again, I liked Paul Rudd's kind of anger manage i mean anger things he had streaks mm-hmm. back and forth um i i thought the end was nice that you had that wrap up but it did like you said take a while to get to you know when paul Rudd dies it could have gotten there a lot faster yeah i mean i didn't to to, to but go, i'm glad they did go back to that. that like i'm not saying that i wanted a super dark ending yeah i i think it would have made it more impactful or something like you watch it and you go oh man that's you're you're kind of you know haunted by it a little bit i don't i'm not you know a masochist i'm not super into that i just think it would have been 
a little bit more interesting as far as as far as the characters and like and like sympathizing with the you know yes i would have much rather seen the ending we saw than than whatever like just the friend walks off with the girl the little girl or you know he doesn't he doesn't talk and she falls off of the bridge or something like even worse yeah Yeah, it, it could have been really dark. It's there. just I, like I, I, you know, they killed this guy, they killed this guy, they killed this guy, and then it's done. He and he doesn't even raise. He takes her back to her grandma, and you know, yeah. everything's yeah, quote it, unquote fine. A lot of editing, a lot of editing could have made that a short film and and been all right. I think it would have been passable. So like I said, mm-hmm. those those scenes just in there by themselves. If you'd have just taken those pieces and put them together, it could have been quick. It could have been fast, and you could have had a nice forty five minute short film and. It would have been all right because uh, the acting was there and yeah. some of the st- lines were there and the dialogue was there. I, I think that the the long – now, the one thing they did do long that was good was dragging out Paul Rudd's death scene. That that was mm. good that they did that. I mean I know mm-hmm. it was a little morbid and creepy and weird, but sure. you know, most most movie deaths are within you know 30 seconds at the most that they die. Yeah. But this one went on for like five minutes almost and mm-hmm. – and that's very possible. Not that I know this thing, but that's very possible that that would happen. You know, sure, right. constantly that, that, and then him gurgling and then that, that conversation about it. I, the other thing I kept thinking was that he, I wonder if he got paralyzed. I don't know how he didn't like move his hands or the rest of his body or anything. You know, if he's mm. alive for five minutes, he didn't try to turn around and crawl or do anything. He just continued to sit there. Oh, he yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. With I the don't, gurgling things. I don't know enough about, anatomy to, to speak yeah yeah to that. but he he did and also uh i there were some things i didn't understand that they could have cut out like i don't i didn't feel too attached to the girl the you know i didn't feel that when she was dead okay hmm. there was good acting there was good acting because he she, felt she like was he was dead sad but he was good. yeah i mean do you think it was just so much there was so much long and so many other things that were so long that took my mind Cause, away from cause out there's a it, there's a I, long I time from like the moment he wakes up and she's gone to the whole sequence where they reveal that Paul Rudd is her ex and that he poisoned them. And then there's some time in between that from that reveal to him finding out that she that he killed her. Yeah. Leo finding out that he killed her. But there's yeah. a good like 40 minutes, I feel like, between him waking up and she's gone and even him finding out, not even him finding out, but the audience finding out that Paul Rudd is her ex. Do you think that, right. do you think that that reveal should have come much earlier? Yeah, I do. I think, I think that, you know, the, the as much as we're saying, Oh, there's these problems with the, the movie. I think that if it was, if it was cut, if it was literally edited, right. And cut down, it could have been an okay movie. I would have been like, Oh, that was 45 minutes of my time. That was pretty good. I'm glad I got through it. Every, every beat was hit. And we we made it through, and and that's how it ended. You know, yeah. then we could have had a real discussion about the meatier parts, but right. And and I, as I'm as I'm talking about it, and as I was asking that question, I wasn't sure myself. But when I when I think back on it, I'm going if if we had known from you know maybe right after or right before he gets poisoned and not killed, but he he wake he gets drugged and he wakes up and she's gone if we had known all that time who paul rudd was to um nadira and by Mm -hmm. extension to leo 
then we could have we could have been engaged and and um whatever in in this search and in these subsequent scenes kind of developing Paul Rudd's character a little more because of that dramatic irony right we're like oh it's it's him and he doesn't know like then you're involved instead of just sitting there going okay there's this guy and this guy and they keep bumping into each other and they're both kind of frustrated by each other's existence but we don't know why right like right. the two the two storylines of cactus and leo are are parallel like they don't intersect until that point like in the third act yeah and and yeah this movie could have it's not it's not bad it's not terrible it's no just, i mean it's just I mean, it's so just, so for all that have been the, drawn out the timing and the editing is whatever but like the concept is compelling um the acting pretty much pretty much across the board was was all really good um the like the the costuming and the set design and the visual effects like i thought all of that was was pretty well done um i mean yeah. it's it's strange it has that kind of like original blade runner um fifth element kind of 80s 90s sci-fi vibe yeah um but it was it was fairly well executed the the idea of this world some point in the future we don't really know what's going on except that um a lot of u.s soldiers are um uh not defecting but like going awol um like all of that was relatively well um like realized and so there it's you know i'm not trying to say that it's completely irredeemable but i don't i don't know that i would recommend it to anybody yeah i, I wouldn't either to, and to you know if, it, if there was a cut of it that someone was a fan of could do that that'd be that'd be better. yeah a, a fan um, edit or something it wasn't it wasn't bad it was just kind of mediocre yeah kind of kind of boring um so, so th- this is this is the season though of of movies and shows and this is this was a movie movie um and the oscars just happened last yeah night. that's what i was gonna say R- rolling right off of this um intense do they have a netflix intense, category or what what is netflix how does netflix fit into these categories oh uh, i don't <laughs> I don't think they do. What's the controversy with all that? Is, there was like a year or two ago, Netflix wanting to get in and then wanting to push it out. Mm. And I know that I mean, the, um, I, I've listened to, and I think I'm still in the middle of the episode, but I listened to the Geek Scholars Movie News pre-Oscars um, episode, and it was kind of uh, enlightening because I, I'm not a guy who has ever really cared about any of that stuff. And I'm and I'm still really not, but um, Geek Scholar Chris gave a really good explanation of how the voting system works. Um, have you heard this? No, go ahead. I guess I don't I don't really need to rehash it in detail, but basically there are the the people who vote the Academy, whatever that means, and they rank their top top to bottom picks based on the nominations. Okay. And if their their goal is to get a a pick in the number 1 spot that has a plurality that has at least 50% votes. Right? So it's not simple majority. 
And if if they don't have the fifty percent, then they go and and find the find the ballots where somebody put a movie in their in their number one spot that was overall at the bottom. Right? Like if there are nine, they go and find the people who picked the the ninth ranked film as their number one and they scratch it scratch it from their vote they scratch it from that ballot and then that person's number two becomes their number one and they keep doing that until they have their 50 percent which is kind of a weird like it plays into their uh geek scholars and all of the other groups that that do predictions on these sort of things um, it plays into their uh, their thought processes or logic of trying to figure out what's going to win, and so they go, okay, well, if there's a if there's a kind of person who is going to pick, um, you know, a film for their number one that's going to be down in the bottom, what would they pick as their number two? Does that, oh, okay. does that make sense? Yeah. And that and that was interesting to me, but um, I didn't watch. I had other stuff going on, as, as mentioned, laying tile and whatnot. But I think I, you, you I watched it. I did get to watch it. I did get to watch it. I'm, I mean, I watched the the second half. I guess I'd say mm-hmm. it was long. It was a four hour excursion into the mm. world of Hollywood. And, and I am not a I am not a fan of the Oscars. I mean, I mean, I really, I really am not. I know we we've been talking about shows and movies a lot here, and I've seen a lot more, and I love talking to. Uh, geek scholar fox about stuff he he's like amazing to to see his perspective on a lot of how the movie industry works um so being able to watch that and then have these discussions with him later is one of the things that impetus to make me want to watch it Mm -hmm. uh my and and i i do appreciate movies i mean i in general i'm a huge movie buff so being able to celebrate them i love our show is not about movies but i don't think you can do a you know a podcast or a YouTube channel or something focused on movies and and ignore the awards shows like that that plays into that whole culture but yeah it's a it's a real i you know I don't know I'm I don't I'm not familiar enough with it to to cast aspersions too hard but it's a pretty big like first world yeah, big first. You know, that, that's the probably my my biggest thing is that it's the mutual first admiration problem. society is the yeah and the and clean that's expression and that's, that's for what I want to say that's yeah and and to have like is it Susan Sarandon no no uh, what's what's who's the lady that sits that everybody like fawns over and throws herself at right in the front row um, I I almost said Susan Sarandon but not I don't know Joan Rivers no no I, I have no idea. Uh, well, there's there's just one lady that they're they're always like you know oh she's the best and she's always in the front and um, Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep that's it okay it's going to drive me crazy and uh, so it's it's kind of like Hollywood throwing themselves at her the whole time and then themselves and it's a, and not to mention I I always I have and, think... and I really don't want to get into politics here but that the fact that Hollywood should stay out of politics in general and they have a platform yeah. and a voice and I get that but. The night is there to to celebrate movies and the industry and film, and and it, it's I, you can't get past the fact that everyone there uses it for other things than that. And I don't care what your politics are. I support 
probably 90 percent of the things that they were talked about in the oscars but it just was like uh please get this song off my stage or this thing this person talking about x y or z in the whole presentation so that we can find out who the best editor is this year that's what i want to know yeah it's a weird it's a weird sort of and i get it like you have an audience so you feel a responsibility to x y and z but i think that people you know because of human nature and and whatever like we ascribe more weight to famous people's opinions which is completely idiotic idiotic yeah is a good word is a good word for that um i i just i just googled it to make sure but um meryl streep is the is the living actress with the most academy award wins right oh yeah yeah Catherine hepburn has more than she does but she's passed on so that's probably part of that whole uh thing uh but yeah. how do you, how do you feel about how do you feel about the winners? I I glanced at the at the Wikipedia page to see the the overall. I was I was surprised at the the wins that Dunkirk got until I looked at which categories it won, and I was like, okay, that no, yeah, sense. it it won in the categories that it needed to. Yeah. I mean, uh, there there was a few things that I, I liked just nominated that were. I'm glad they not. Sometimes they nominate things is almost as big as getting an award for it because, you know, a lot of times the awards that they, when they actually win something, there's a lot more that goes into it than just voting. Like I said, politics and, you know, wanting to make statements about X, Y, or Z. And that's why the film was picked. But the nominations actually speak a lot more because there's like, you know what? We have to nominate X, Y, or Z because this actor or actress is in it. And this was a, Sundance Film Festival or just so much crap but there's several more in there that are like oh no that's a good movie I'm mm-hmm. glad that they're recognizing that and and I know I'm just going to be biased in saying this but like Logan was was nominated for I think best editing or something and mm. that there were or another thing and it was a great movie that deserved some recognition and I think just having nominated is nice it's good to say yeah. that you know what that that was not just some pop culture people liking in the movie. It actually was a good solid movie in itself and right. deserves some recognition. Uh, so I do appreciate those. Um, Dunkirk is funny for me and I'd love to talk to you about that here more expand on that. Movie, what you mean? But, it's, you mean it's funny for hundreds of thousands of British troops to be, be gunned down to, to be murdered. And stuff? No, no. I mean, it's, it's, I should say it's odd. It's just <laughs> I, my, my thought about yeah. that movie is, is weird. I, I appreciated it. I loved it's kind of one of those things why I go to the movies where people, I always tell people that this is something that you should go watch at the movie instead of on the small screen. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's just some that are big and, and I, I hesitate to use the word epic, but need to be seen in the full surround sound of a theater with a huge screen r- rumbling at your feet when <laughs> the planes come in and the bombs hit. And that, that war movies are like that, especially World War II movies. Sure. And it was good. And I loved so much about it. But I didn't get it half the time. I didn't know what was happening. They won for best editing is the one I'm kind of picking on here. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. That's a and it. Yeah. It that's was hard weird, to follow. And and I would almost say like, you know, I don't know if that was directing or editing. That it's was a made thing it hard where, okay, as as usual, uh, spoilers. Uh, but yeah, right. like, you could have you could have told that story in order, right? In sequential order, in chronological order, and it would have been fine. But you you have too many things, right? There are too many gimmicks. Like 
you're doing this parallel storytelling thing like Pulp Fiction or Memento or any number of those like show a thing and then show the thing that happens after it at different times and some of that is established in the in the first couple scenes but there's nothing there are not a lot of cues to keep that consistent to the to the viewer yeah right like there are times when you're like okay well it's dark here and it's daytime here so we're looking at things happening at different times um, yeah, kind of thing. So you have that. But it wasn't consistent. So you have that, which is its whole, which is which is its own whole big thing. And then you have this yeah. other main plot point, big like dramatic moment, which kind of like we talked about earlier uh, with mute, with the idea that one of these quote unquote main characters is not English, but French. Yeah. Right. And so we got to like you know I watched it I watched it just recently on Blu-ray at home I didn't see it in okay. the theater but sure um, Dad and I watched it and I said it's interesting you, that that you had a hard time even when it was on Blu-ray where you could not get you know you could focus on the TV right I think you know like I said I said before I think it, it's easier to get distracted when you're not at the theater and so I was true like, but I you can like, also ask what, questions of happened? people like is that that same guy that's is that true the guy? that's true that you can't the same that guy the is that the same and, and we kept doing that back and forth we're like I don't know, thing who's and, that which one's this and What's so happening? we're pointing at this guy and and dad's like I don't we haven't heard that guy talk like he hasn't talked the whole time I'll bet he's a German like trying to hmm. trying to betray them or or something and I, I said I don't I don't know. I don't like playing the guess the twist game. Yeah, I think right. it's a. I think it's a weird kind of way to, um, like enjoy a film in a way that makes the people with you feel bad. Yeah. Right. And I'm I'm being a little over. I'm expressing that in an over sensitive way, but that that's not not a not a huge exaggeration to how i feel about that it's like oh man you didn't see that plot twist coming and i've been on both sides of that conversation and the the like the the figuring out the plot it like if you look at it and you see the foreshadowing and you kind of see where it's going and you keep it to yourself that's fine like the story's not told you know the foreshadowing isn't that subtle or it's you know audiences have become so smart that writers will put in a twist with no foreshadowing and they're like oh man i can't believe that whatever like well of course because they didn't give us any clues that that was happening they're like oh i'll get them with this twist and like there's nothing clever about that you just threw in a twist like a deus ex machina yeah. um, I, I felt that that twist was just a twist for twist sakes i didn't but i mean anyway I, i've gone off in the weeds a little bit there but like you've got this character who's french and so he doesn't talk but to make that work to make that reveal impactful you have to make him and the guy he's with and a couple other similar like young dark-haired english-ish looking characters all kind of homogenous yeah right? they, like they indistinguishable really do, yeah. you don't like unless you're we i think we watched it with subtitles and so we got some of the names just from the subtitles 
yeah. right? Where they're like, right. oh, somebody somebody off screen is talking, and so the subtitles have their name. And I'm like, okay, well, we yeah. know that guy's name is Will, and this guy's <laughs> name is John. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And the guy, I mean, I w- the guy in the plane is Tom Hardy, which is right. You, a, a, you could get that guy right. A, yeah. Apparently, um, um, shoot, uh, director uh, uh, Nolan, Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Nolan has a has a weird thing with Tom Hardy having most of his sure. face covered up in his films. <laughs> right, right. But with Bane and stuff right like with that. Bane. Um, and so you're like, okay, so in order to make this. This character has been a, a French guy, you know, trying to trying to escape with the with the British um, this whole time. Like in order to make that reveal impactful, you have to confuse the audience about everything else that's going on for the first hour of the film. Yeah. And it, and it was pretty confusing. While while they, at the same time, you're doing this weird time shift thing. The time shift thing got me. I, I like, wish that that was better explained. The only thing, the only thing that that like redeems that movie is that you're telling a powerful story about a powerful mm-hmm. historical event that you right. can you can leverage that like um, cultural empathy. Yeah, and and it did give those impactful moments. Yeah, like I feeling, mean, it like was when Tom Hardy went down, I felt like, oh my gosh! And it was great. You know, the big, getting, the yeah. big finish when the you know the civilian boats show up, and you're like, oh man, they're we thought we were all screwed, but you know, right. we we did this, and they're like, hey, you know, uh, Churchill was like, if we get ten percent of these half a million guys, like we'll be good. We need, you know, we're saving all our resources, yeah. saving all our resources. And, you know, they got, like, ten times more than whatever. There's math in there. But right. they saved, yeah, I, they saved I, many, I, many more. It did feel very – it felt very impactful. I mean, I, I did get the feeling, and I gave Nolan a lot of credit. That's why I said I, I do like the the show. I, I do mm-hmm. like Dunkirk. But it, but the the time shift thing really threw me. And, and yeah. I, I will say when I went to watch Dunkirk in the theater, I was I was in the mood for that. I was in the mood for a World War II movie mm-hmm. on the big screen and excited. And, and I didn't come out disappointed. I really didn't. Um, I come out confused a bit and I think I was talking about like I, the time shifting the whole time, which yeah. brings us back to the Oscars and editing is that it won an award for editing and you can watch, look at that movie and see, Oh, this is a clear editing thing. How they piece this together is like the key part. Yeah. So, I mean, it would have, kudos it would to be even, it would be even worse. It would be even more confusing without good editing. Yeah. And so I, I get that they they did that. So maybe it was maybe it was just Nolan's, you know, kind of w- washed out, you know, uh, cameras or lenses and, <laughs> and his, his casting with stuff. But um, it won that it yeah. won uh, one of the music awards. Um, oh, OK. Score I think, or yeah. best original score like it beat Last Jedi and um, a couple other nominations for best score. Oh, I, w- I will say that I was surprised that Jedi didn't get some. So he it got nor it got nods for effects, but of all the effects, and I can't remember what one special effects. Oh man, I'm gonna kick myself because I think I actually agreed with it. Oh no, it was uh, Blade Runner, one. Right, right. For that, right, and and that was well earned. I say I thought that the the number one thing I can think of last year for effects that really stuck with me as much as I didn't like it was the Last Jedi scene where they. 
you know, shot through the things and the sound stopped and the, the it was all paused mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. some really great effects with that. And the um, the crate battle, the, you know, a lot of the Jedi stuff was really, really great. So I could get special effects for that. And I would have thought they'd, they did that. But putting Blade Runner up there, up there just that I can't remember. Joy, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Joy was Joy was phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I'm. Yeah, that that definitely wins out of all the people hands down. So just I've, from her, I have the I have the page in front of me. Um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine won best visual effects and best cinematography. Um, um okay, bo- okay, both of which. I, ha- I mean the. Okay. I don't know about cinematography, but okay. The others for cinematography were Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, and The Shape of Water. Uh, Dunkirk okay. is the only other one of those I saw. Yeah, but, I, I would have said Dun- Dunkirk was okay. Um, Dunkirk won Best Film Editing, uh, Best Sound Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. Oh, man. I There I thought Jedi could have done better on that one because it had some great stuff. Ben Burt, I think, does the sound for for ILM and Jedi. Um, and he's Jedi was nominated for both Sound Editing and Sound Mixing, as was right. Baby Driver, Blade Runner 2049, and The Shape of Water. Now, Baby Driver should have won that. I still haven't like, seen that. Editing. I heard. It's, it's I heard just, that. Was I just really saw good. parts of it, but let me tell you, it goes to it goes to the whole movie goes to the beat of the sound. It's that's the point of the show, and so editing and sound editing. Oh God, I can't believe that that. I don't know. That had to have been a. You know what? It doesn't have any real huge, you know, acting scenes in it, or it's not mm-hmm. popular drama enough for us. So we'll give it nomination credit. Right. But. We're not, you know, we're not, it doesn't have enough impactful epic um, drama to it. Original score it went to Shape of Water, though Dunkirk and Jedi also got nominations there with uh, Phantom Thread and Three Billboards. Billboards. Now, neither of us saw Shape of Water, right? Nope. I mean, I didn't. Not, yeah. I'm not, so, I'm not super into fish porn. <laughs> yeah, fish porn. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about that because I, it's obviously fantasy, and I think when it was Gil- I'm going to butcher his name Guillermo del Guillermo del Toro Guillermo del Toro the the director mm-hmm. when he came up in his speech and he talked about um um you know encouraging more people to do fantasy um, stories mm. just because they're fantasy doesn't mean it can't be a great story or great love stories or great drama. Um, I, I really liked him saying that. He just said it really quickly, but I was like, oh yeah, he used a genre and made it a good movie so it is fantasy and it makes me kind of want to watch it just from from that and the fact that it's supposed to be a good story i think that's one of the very few oscar winner things that i may actually go this year and rent and rent and watch it interesting i may actually um it's interesting that you say that because i think that to me ties in a little bit to what i've said when we talk about anime um the idea that um, and we've talked about this maybe not on air, but a little bit with um, with Star Trek original, not original, but middle next generation Trek. Um, this idea that a an idea or a or a concept that is um, the resonant or whatever expression you want to use for that to us as people as humans in our normal world we're living in here in 2018 mm-hmm. um sometimes those concepts can be better communicated in an alien context 
Okay. Does that make sense? It's like it's like when I say that I can appreciate and empathize with um, a, a high school relationship drama more when I see it in anime than when I see it portrayed by real actors. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. When it, yeah, when it's abstract. And so, right? and, yeah. And so I think maybe that's a little bit of what um, Guillermo del Toro is not- trying to say there with like, you can, you can see, you can see the aspects of this, whatever this relationship between the lady and the fish thing was, cause I've never seen it, but um, you can see the abstract concepts um, better if you're not distracted by your own um, like con- contextual or... lenses. Yeah. Prejudices. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder if that's movie. I, I mean, I, I really, now I do actually want to really watch that. Now we're talking about it where I kind of want to watch it because <laughs> I wonder if the context is that, you know, he put a fish man in there instead of, maybe it's an interracial kind of type love story, mm, but maybe without ha- like you say, without being distracted by the fact that it's, um, you know, red, yellow, blue, purple, green person. Yeah, because if just, if you did if you did the same film with a person of color or something, you it would either be irrelevant, right? Like right. Um, the romance in uh, um, Greatest Showman, mm-hmm. or you would be too distracted by your own prejudices, or you know, for us as white dudes in America, like are like the prejudices people are afraid to feel right you know what i'm saying um and like you have all that going on in your mind like coming between you and the and the concept the abstract that the that the director is trying to convey yeah and and in this way he can he can put it in with the fish person and (laughs) while we kind of make fun about fish porn you know i think that might have been the point was that he can he can do that and get across the story without having to be those other things. So, I mean, I'm, I am, I'm interested in watching that show. I, and I, I'm, I'm more so that it did get such a buzz, which seemingly out of the blue and won over so many different things, but Hey, can I, can I switch that a little bit to super props to the man, Doug Jones? That dude is amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, and I never get, I watched credit. that video that you sent me before the show. So Doug Jones, for people who don't know and probably don't know, you're like, what are they talking about? What's he talking about? <laughs> is Doug Jones is the actor that does the fish guy in um, The Shape of Water. Um, yep. If he looks, if that if that fish man looks familiar from um, Hellboy, the fish guy, uh, Abe, it, it's the same guy. It's the same actor, Doug Jones. Doug Jones has done so many different uh, movies, and he said over 100 different 150 different films he's been in and almost all of them have him in prosthetics. And yeah, he's the you, he's the practical he's effects version of Andy Serkis. Yes, absolutely. He he is the you know we all know Andy Serkis, but sometimes Andy many times Andy Serkis gets to actually sit in front of the, the camera too or like actually act when his normal things, but Doug Jones sometimes. never does. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. He's right. always and, in and, some kind of uh makeup prosthetic something right another another roles that you might know him in he was the he was pan and it was a pan's labyrinth he was pan's the labyrinth. the guy yep and more more recently he was saru and star saru. trek discovery yeah yep. and which you've talked about at length about saru and um he was the silver surfer 
who he did the Silver Surfer in the you know right Fantastic Four Rise of Silver Surfer. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't see that. But. Right. He did he did all that. So yeah, it's the guy does a ton of great roles and you never know what he looks like. You don't hear his name yet. You know, if you put those things together, you're like, oh, holy crap. By the way, he actually looks like Saru. Like, <laughs> I, I thought, yeah. if you see him yeah. in that picture, I thought, oh, man, Dennis has got to be freaking out because he kind of actually looks like the guy. I mean, I've watched that, and I don't know, you know, they could be they could be digitally enhancing a little bit. But I, I saw this guy, like, in, you know, in the video, he's sitting in a in a theater seat or something. And I'm like... And we'll link that video down because it's, it's cool. He's super tall with a long neck and stuff. Like, yeah. it's a little bit like you know classic tng trek where like there's a lot of rubber stuff on his head but and and of course a lot of that is still like you know his head kind of moves and little ganglia slip out behind his neck and gross stuff like that but but i'm like you know i it's hard for me to say now with everything that's possible in in 2018 like what is and isn't real but it's not too much of a stretch to say maybe they just glued all this stuff to his head and other than that it's still him like he's actually that tall and that <laughs> right wiry and that that lanky and yeah i, I mean, I mean I, the first I, couple I, times i saw that character in in star trek discovery i was like that's not that's not a real person like no real person yeah. is shaped like that it, he looks like he is yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, he's really tall and lanky and skinny, and his arms are long, and his his neck is like a giraffe. I've <laughs> I've never seen anybody with a neck that long in real life. And I'm not putting Doug Jones down. I think that everything it's what makes him interesting and what makes him work so well. He found but his he found his his niche for sure. He did, and good on him uh, because I I love seeing more of him. And he did say in that it's the the video that we're going to link is just a short like minute and a half, maybe two minute video. To, well worth it and he, where he actually gets to talk and you get to hear him and see the, his stuff um but he you know he says that people like to see the real person you know you can do cg so much these days with with and replace it but people do like to see that actual person walking around and doing things and sure. i agree i think that that saru i like saru i mean he's an interesting and compelling character and i think that's just because doug jones acting you know um, and I actually liked Abe and I didn't, wasn't a big fan of the Hellboy movies, but I liked Abe. Well, yeah, so, you, you still can't, you still can't quite have a, a significant like leading or even supporting character that's fully CG. I mean, right. you can do like droids and stuff, but even, even, well, no, you can. I mean, there's even the Paddington, even the original droids, you had dudes, you know, in right. in a suit or or something well, like that. You can, and they do. Like I said, there's there's a lot of movies that are like that. If you look like Who, who Framed Roger sure, Rabbit, yeah. I mean, you can do you know. animated animated right. stuff. But if you like, if you were doing Star Trek, you could have one of those like the cyborg lady on the bridge that is yeah. is whatever. Like that could be fine. But you couldn't have sure. like the doctor or the engineer or the first doctor, you couldn't have any of those characters be fully CG. I mean, you could, of course, you know, you could do, you know, you could do, uh, um, shoot. What's the, the robot from rogue one who is, uh, Oh, um, K K two S O. Yeah. Who is, uh, um, Alan Alan Tudyk. Tudyk. And then, 
and then the talent comes down to the voice work um which yeah. is an interesting one of the interesting things i think one of the geek scholars said about um about luke in last jedi uh what the heck's his name luke um, in last jedi or, or yeah uh, Luke Skywalker? Yeah. <laughs> Mark Hamill? Mark Hamill. There we go. I'm completely okay. drawing a blank on that one. But um, <laughs> they said a lot of his acting in that film is kind of um, the the stuff that he's doing physically with his with his hood and his and his facial expressions and all of that is seemingly deliberately downplaying his physical presence. Yeah. To to focus more on his voice work because of course right. that's most of what he's done since the original star Wars trilogy has been voice work. Yep. Um, which is, uh, you know, interesting, whole different conversation, yeah. but right. Well, so Mr. Jones is also, as we talked, so just talked about a lot of his different stuff. He, he now does the shape of water. He's the, mm-hmm. the co-lead on that one. And I guess he has no lines. Like, he doesn't say a word. Well, fish don't talk, so, so I guess that makes well, sense. Well, I, I didn't know maybe they Abe did in, <laughs> you know, that show. But he uh, – so the fact that it can win best all these awards and best picture and have a lead who doesn't speak. And we just talked about Mute, which the movie is called Mute, you know, and, and it, they, they didn't successfully get it off. So this one wins that – it makes me want to watch it. Um, I'm, I am excited to watch it. And hopefully – I'm not sure if it's still out on theaters or if it's – um, you know, on video, but I, I can, I'm gonna have to watch that one pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so moving off of, let's move off of um movies for a while. We kind of been talking about shows and movies. Um, All right, what um, have you played? Have you been playing any games, like video games? Not, not too much. I talked last week about the about the water flooding situation. I've been, I've been yep. um. Yep been dabbling in world of warcraft again a little bit it's always mm-hmm. it's always hard for me if i if i get bored the the times that i get bored and get back in that game are generally coincide with times when there are holidays in-game holidays we okay we've talked about that on the show before but it's like there's a there's a thanksgiving or harvest festival kind of kind of season and then there's the feast of winter's veil which is their christmas um christmas time there's love is in the air which is around valentine's day right after that is uh um the lunar new year or they okay they call it lunar new year it's like chinese new year but they don't say china because it's azeroth there's no china right um, the panda new year <laughs> there's panda is. new years yeah um yeah. Which is like an amalgam of Asian cultures, mostly China, with a little bit of Japan, a little bit of Korea, I think. But um, there's that, and then, and then I think there's a little bit of a break for a while. But the the Valentine's one and the and the Lunar New Year run run right one after the other, um, and so that that's been going on, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe trying to I think maybe some of our friends might get back into it in the new expansion, maybe. Really? I don't know. That's it's this fall, it's a ways off, but I'm like 
since I've been paying for the sub all this time, like maybe I should get in and at least LFR through the last couple raids. Um, that's that's looking for raid. It's like raid group <laughs> finder. Um, yeah. It's the easiest mode of of raids. Okay. And so you get to basically see who the bosses are, get a get a simplified version of their mechanics, and get the get the the raid lore. You know, experience yeah. experience that. So you can experience in, in a simple it, right. way without the like weeks of wiping and right guild drama and all of that guild stuff. Drama. Well, the. The I, I played all I did is this week for my own games. I played uh, Overwatch a lot. We played on. I, got, I went ahead and ugh, I'm admitting this out, li- out loud that I paid. I bought it on PC. Not it's not embarrassing that I bought it on PC. It's that, that I I paid. Tw- I bought the game twice. It's one of the few games on the planet that I bought twice. Wait, did did you say Overwatch? Yes, okay. Overwatch. I bought it twice. So I bought it on the PS4, and that should have been enough, but. You know, all our friends started playing it recently on PC, and, and you realized that playing playing a shooter on a console is a fool's errand. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I I do admit though that it felt a lot easier. I mean, I haven't played a lot of shooters that I've been good at, um, and I think I'm okay. I'm I'm fair at Overwatch. I don't think I've ever been um, good at a shooter, but go on. Uh, I'm fair. Uh, so, and I'm, I'm pretty decent at several console shooters, I feel like, but on PC, there's just, it was just so much easier. There's so many things were easy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I played, I played Lucio. So, you know, wall running, I can run on any wall, jump everywhere, get all sorts of heights where it's much more difficult on, on the, the console, but beyond, beyond getting in the specifics of it, we played, um, I played with a lot of friends with Pete and Zahn and, um, I think maybe Alec was playing. I'm not sure who Hotep Hammer is, but um, that's Ben. Somebody, Ben. Okay, so we we played with several people, and that was really fun. I was the only one on mic, which was weird, um, but I paid for it twice because of the group aspect. And Blizzard did good; they got me because I played it on the free weekend or free week, whatever it was, and it was free, and I really enjoyed it, and it was simple and quick, and my computer is pretty fast, so I was able to download it and play it, get in the game really quickly. Um, over, I mean, Overwatch is, is well done for many reasons, but the fact that you can get into a game quickly and play, and even if you're waiting for a game, you're in skirmish and can play, that you mm-hmm. never feel like you're really idle, um, is a good thing. So they, they got me, and they got me for some more money, um, and I'm glad I I'm glad I did. It was it's it's very fun. Um, yeah, I mean I've I've heard nothing but good things about Overwatch, and sometimes I feel like on on the one hand I'm the only one of our friends who plays video games who didn't couldn't get into Overwatch. Yeah, and also I'm I'm surprised because there's so many roles that there's so the, many characters that are like level you know experience levels. That, sure on the on the list of. On the list of Blizzard games for me, it's like at the bottom. Not that I don't like; I respect it. I think it's great. It's just not right. for me. Like, you for know, sure. that list is is something like Hots, Overwatch. I mean, Hots, Overwatch, Hots, World of Warcraft, Diablo, Hearthstone, Overwatch. Yeah. Well, the uh, Overwatch, the, the thing, one of the things, and and I really don't want to spend too much time on this because we may have before, but. The, the thing about Overwatch is that I can be in any mood of my game playing first person shooter mo- mode and I can um, 
have a good time because if I'm hmm. not really to do wanting in the mood to do something really technical or really difficult to play or or maybe I am, I, I have I want to play a support class and I want it to be hard today. I want to be like do something fancy and neat. I can do that. I can play this character. Do you play or Anna? I just want to play. Say again. You play Anna. Anna. I do not because <laughs> she she is one of the the pros. Um, that's too good for me. Um, but I, there's the thing is there's all in the middle. There's from really super easy where you can play a character like Mercy and just backpack and go behind somebody and target them and heal people. That's all you, it's, you do. And you can switch over to attack a gun. It's so f- straightforward. Mm-hmm. And she has, and she can even, even if for after a while you can get really fancy with her and do some real advanced stuff, but she's an example of something that's pretty basic and straightforward. And if I don't want to think a lot, I can just get on, enjoy a support character and play that or bump it up a little bit more, play some Lucio, bump it up a little bit more, play some different characters. And then you get it to real complicated ones. Um, and that's for every role, whether it be tank or, support or offense and you know they've just got so many different characters that are so simple yet you can choose complicated and day to day i know i know that after i was getting beat with something i thought was too complicated for me to do i just went okay i'm gonna just stick with diva and i can play her (laughs) you know i play bastion because it's just simple and easy and then you get some wins out or you feel like you're doing good yeah even though you're not that good that night i'm I'm familiar with some of those characters because I played a couple of the free weekends and I don't know, just, you know, just playing in the bot games was enough frustration that I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can get into this. Plus I am still playing enough hots, enough heroes of the storm that I like, I can't, I don't have I don't have room in my, in my emotional bandwidth for two, <laughs> for two of these of these competitive often frustrating games but well I'm, I'm i'm really sad that i'm playing overwatch instead of star wars battlefront 2 because i love <laughs> battlefront 2 and and the the number one reason between those i own those two shooters are on the on my uh desk up, or my table upstairs to, to put in mm-hmm. the reason i always almost always go to overwatch and not load up battlefront is the load time it's that like i said you can get an overwatch pretty quickly load the game up start playing in star wars just to get to the front menu it's a minute and a half two minutes three minutes <laughs> and then you're like okay go to the thing and now you've got to pick a loading screen and it's another loading it's no, so no, long to get a into a game yeah that's that's one of the things um in the in the many things that make me prefer heroes of the storm to other mobas uh like league yeah. or league is the only one that i played a lot of but i played a handful of other ones and yeah. you know like if you queue a game in League, uh, you get a you get a prompt when the queue pops, right? When when you're up in the queue, yeah. you have to confirm. In in Heroes, mm-hmm. you don't like when the queue pops, you're in, and yep. so th- there are a, a number of things like that in their, you know, their design decisions that you're like, hmm, it seems like a really small thing, but I bet a lot of thought and debate went into that decision well most of the time unless you're in a really weird mmr a weird ranking um my my queue times are always less than a minute yeah um and so so it's it doesn't take so long that you have to ask like hey i know you queued but maybe you're not here maybe you queued and went to go take a dump and you're not (laughs) <laughs> you know, you're not still at your computer, and we don't want to. We yeah. don't want to cue you into a game AFK. Um, 
there have been times in the history of of hots where i felt like the queue time was too short and to clarify i felt like i would get in bad matchups like with really yeah. disparate skill levels or really poor like one team has a tank and a healer and the other team is just all damage dealers yeah and i'm like okay we can we can wait a little bit if that's what you need to do to get us a better match experience um yeah and they've improved some of that over time and that's a whole so some of the some of these thing. games really frustrate me and I don't under quite fully understand a lot of these competitive games where they have when the setup time is like, okay, we're now at the match. The match is starting. Let's start in sixty seconds. And you're like, mm. why so long? Why yeah. do I need to sit at the beginning of <laughs> of hots and and you know sit forever waiting for the gates to go down? Yeah, you know, it's, or or it's pretty quick. Like I think from the time you load into the game to the time when the gates go down in in hots, it's like. It's like 20 seconds, maybe yeah. 30 just to account for like lag and load times or something. But yeah. it's it's all pretty fast. And and those are the things which it sounds like the Overwatch team learned from what the Heroes team learned from other games. As they're like, you know, one of the biggest problems with League is that people are toxic. Like people are just yep. assholes to each other. And right, right. you're like, okay, well... Part of the problem is that the matches are too long. Like, uh, yep. the, you know, in, in League, they have a surrender thing where if you feel like you're losing, you can call for a vote to surrender and it's, you know, majority out of five. But you can't do that until 20 minutes in. Right. So like 20 minutes you've been in a game um, in in Heroes, a long like an above average pvp game it's like 25 minutes 27 like if you're in a really close intense heroes game it might yeah. it might go 30 or 40 minutes like a league game can go over an hour and so like right like if you've got somebody on your team who made a bad who picked a bad hero or bought the wrong item or who even knows because that game is so complicated now you're stuck with that person in that game for another half an hour unless you want to like alt f4 out of it like that just it makes people more toxic yep and so yeah there are so many of those things where i feel like blizzard really really learns from their own mistakes from other people's mistakes and yeah like i for a variety of reasons have have decided that overwatch isn't for me but that's most of what i've heard from people who play it from podcasters who talk about it like just top to bottom excellent experience yeah that's that's blizzard and i know we're, we're big blizzard fans know, so that's not saying much um but it's it's true. It's definitely true. The, the only hey, the only we, thing we I talk have... about more than Star Trek on this show is how much I love <laughs> Blizzard. Blizzard. We all the love and and I'm with you on on both of those. So we got um we got uh our time is running low here, so I do want to sneak in on our new weekly challenge if we could. Okay. What what what, what do you got for me? Uh, let's pick up something you know better. <laughs> Not that we've been bad some of those were okay. But let's see if we can. What, what do you got? Um, I know you've been talking about uh, 
end of the effing world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, I wanted to see, watch that thing for a while. I saw the trailer when it came up. That's a man. I had that's it definitely. A, I had it in front of me. Now it's gone. Okay. TVMA is it of some sort for sure? Uh, TVMA. Yeah, which I, now I can't complain about that TV fourteen <laughs> like I did that one week. It which is, I feel terrible about that. It's episodes are about twenty minutes, and there are eight of them. So. What do you, oh, cool. What do you want to say? Half of those four episodes? Oh, at least. I mean, I may go all of it. And if, if it's good. And if it's, and if if it's, it's, if it's terrible, we'll, super, we'll watch four. If it's super it. good, super engaging, we'll just burn through it. Yeah, yeah. So at, le- at least four. And if we get tired, we can do four. All right. Right on, right on. Our listeners, do, do at least four, and then we'll talk about there. But be warned if it's... I guess we should say that for anything. If it's if it's a good show and it's short and like this, and we've got a week to do it in, we can you know we may just go ahead and do we, it all. We might we might go a little further with it, yeah. Right, which is which is okay. I, I tell you something. I have been watching. I'm not sure if it's your kind of cup of tea or not, but I have my cup of binge watching has been happening this last what two weeks maybe. Is a show called Shameless. Um, oh yeah, it's I not saw new. that. Yeah, it's not new. It's like in seven or eight seasons right now, <laughs> but I, I just started watching it and it's it's amazing. I'm I'm going. It's an like an hour long show with like twelve episodes a season, and I'm in within a week, maybe two weeks. I've gone. I'm on season five, almost season six now. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Um, I think I've said on the show before that I am much more likely to binge watch half hour shows than hour shows. Mm-hmm, and I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to lump the, the network 43 minute shows in with the HBO 59 minute shows, like whatever. I'm going to call those sure, hour right. shows, but sure, I get it. Yeah. Um, half hour format shows are usually comedies. They're, yep. they're much more, uh, Whatever. They're shorter. I was going to say bite size yes. and all this stuff. That's just another way to say it. they're shorter. Um, yeah. It's much easier for me to get to the end of that much show and go, yeah, hit the next one. But there are right. there are a few. They're just a handful of hour-long shows where I get to the end and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, start the next one. Um, Do the next one. We talked about True Blood earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Mad Men was one of those for me. Uh I thought Lost was was one. Lost, I I mostly watched Lost as it was airing, so that usually wasn't an option for me. But um, Deadwood, the first one I ever watched was Twenty Four, and that one was definitely the same thing. Every Mm -hmm. cliffhanger, every time, every Mm -hmm. every hour. Um, Um, Battlestar Galactica is one of those. Deadwood, one of my favorite shows. That it's really hard for me to recommend because it's so foul. But and it doesn't. It doesn't. The the big thing I haven't watched that one though is because it doesn't have an ending, right? Like they canceled it. Yeah, they kind of ran out of story and didn't uh, didn't go anywhere. Didn't but up. it had so much of it was so for for all of the seemingly gratuitous profanity, it was so well written to, to me. Whatever and yeah, you know, right. all of that. But yeah, Shameless was definitely one of those where I'm like. Uh, okay, yeah, start the next one because yeah, start the next one for all of the like it's a a little bit the same thing. Like when I talk to people who um, are in the middle of watching Mad Men and they're kind mm-hmm. of frustrated with it, they're like, "Does there ever come a point where Don Draper gets better?" 
And I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm like, what do you mean gets better? Don Draper is amazing. That's like who he is. He's right? a yeah. he's a completely like reprehensible womanizer, but he's amazing and it's like that is the character. Like that's what's compelling about it to me. Like I wouldn't if if this were a real person, I wouldn't be his friend in real life. Like he's a terrible person, but the character is really, really interesting and entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, and, and, and shameless. That's a little bit how Frank. shameless is. Like you've got these characters yeah. and they're they are varying levels of desperate, right? Yeah. They're I mean, that's why they call it shameless, because these characters are so whatever like whatever their situation so shameless is, they the, really are they're, you know they're shameless the, the dad is an alcoholic who is one of those guys who works harder to manipulate the 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 disability um yeah the disability yeah. is the wrong word um no disability system like yeah, workman's comp and welfare and 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 um social security and all of that stuff to not even really support his family, but to pay for his addictions. alcohol, his various addictions. Um, yeah. Then, like, he could just be working a normal job. It would be less work. Th- right, than, really. But it's, you know, whatever goes on in people's heads that makes them make these decisions with these priorities. And yeah. the rest of the family, for all of their, like, massive character flaws... Like do what they have to do together to survive. Um, they do, yeah, in, and, and in they just in, in a way they do, that they're always a family and they're together in a way in a way that is shameless. Like things that you know, normal quote unquote privileged people would look at and go, oh, "Man, I cannot believe that somebody would just say this to somebody or just do this." Yeah. Like, well, hey, guess what? This family is going to starve. Right, like they can't buy food, they, do that. they can't pay their electric bill unless somebody does something, and so they yep. don't they don't have the luxury of of those principles. Yeah, they have they have uh, and a perfect example of that is um, it, to to for people who haven't watched Shameless, there's six people, six kids, and one dad. The dad's awful, isn't there? He's awful. The oldest one is about 24, maybe she is. And she basically takes care of all the people. Maybe she's only 22. Mm-hmm. And uh, she dropped out of high school to raise kid, to raise the kids. The mom's MIA. And she's bipolar when she comes in every once in a while. Right. But Frank is is played by... Um, William H. Macy. William H. Macy. Ma- masterfully. one of the most amazing roles. Masterfully so, portrayed. Yes. yes. And and he is, he is an addict. Not just an alcoholic. He is a, the raw addict gone wild and he he doesn't take care of his family they don't take care of him they don't claim him for almost anything um so yeah these people are are these this family of five or six people are trying to just survive so fiona is the oldest one and we talked about the things they have to do to survive and to be shameless um she has to work like she works nights at a club to, to make money mm-hmm. and comes home and they have during the summer, they have to make enough money to make it through the winter. So they are all doing jobs during the summer and the, any job they can do. And they will babysit like 15 to 20 kids from the neighborhood. And it won't be Fiona will say that she's babysitting them, but she's working nights. So she's got to go to sleep. So she'll be there when the, the, the parents drop them off. But then the 10, 12, 
12 year old kids will actually be the babysitters mm-hmm. for the for the kids you know and that's like oh that you can't do that you can't have like kids babysitting kids like yeah that's what they do because they need to make money and she needs to sleep because they um, have to and they wh- have to survive they have to survive and one guy one other kid is a um he goes off and um, i'm trying to think what he does um his dad carl is carl's one of my favorites he his his dad <laughs> has got to um get a liver transplant obviously because he's dying from drinking so much and so they need to make money he can't afford the sur- the $150,000 for a surgery so they're trying to they figure out that one person um has liability kind of insurance on their house so if they go up there and and have an accident and like well you have to do really bad accidents it's got to be really bad to have that kind of money and he won't do it so the kid decides well we got to survive he's got to have a liver he drugs him and make passes him out, puts he, ta- he duct tapes some weights to himself, jumps off the couch, and then crack shatters his dad's uh, leg in pieces. This is, and of course, his oh, dad yeah. freak, freaks. I forgot yeah. about that. Right. And it, because that's what he has to yeah, do. Yeah. Even though it's gaming the system, that's what they have to do to get to save mm-hmm. his dad's life. And the whole show is all about that. It's like what they have to do. Yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a point where something goes wrong and uh, social services picks up the kids and takes them yep. to... Um, group yeah. homes and stuff and it's it's a little bit like um, I think I've talked about this on the show before like Orange is the New Black um, yeah is this sort of like for for me as a relatively privileged white male as I said this week and, and last or maybe two weeks ago like um, <laughs> aspects of, of life and, and reality in our culture that I'm not exposed to right yeah um, I didn't I didn't grow up in anything even remotely close to a situation like that. It's probably not too far from the way that my dad grew up. And so when he became right. a parent, he worked his ass off to make sure that none of his kids had to had to live like that. But like yeah. that or or the prison picture that is painted by Orange is the New Black, this kind of like yeah. um, exposure to a to a a context of life that we wouldn't we wouldn't experience normally in in life and it's not it's not a documentary it's not um not that you know a certain type of documentaries i i don't have a lot of respect for because i feel like they are are doing this in a really overt manipulative way um you know trying to trying to say a message where you know a show like this or Orange is the New Black are really doing the same thing, but more subtly with a with a narrative and characters and good cinematography and stuff behind it, because yep. that's that's probably what's happening. Like, I'm sure that the 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 pictures painted by either of these shows um, are not completely accurate. Well, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. But I, where you said you didn't have that familiarity with it. I actually do. I think a lot of my childhood, at least middle school to high school or a little bit before high school was a lot like the shameless mm. family. Um, just from the, the being very poor and doing, you know, making ends meet. Okay. Um, so while, while it is not quite accurate with a lot of stuff and it's really kind of overblown, there's so, so many scenes that the writer, when you see it happen, you're like, okay, the writers clearly lived through this because this is what you do. Sure. Um, like when we wanted, food and we didn't have anything after going like a week of 
finally making half bologna sandwiches work. So you got one piece of bread and a half a piece of bologna so that the three of you can eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and that's finally gone. You, what you do next is you literally do what they do is they, they pull out every couch cushion and every chair, every bed to find the nickels, dimes, and pennies so that you can go get another package of bologna to last you another three days. Sure. So, and, and that's what, and that's what they do. They do that kind of stuff. It's like, well, we, you know, they're turning off the, they're turning off the lights and we need to get, give the guy out at the telephone pole a, a 50 spot so that he can keep him on. And that's what the kind of stuff that they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you all, know, of, the, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm not, you know, to say that it's not accurate. I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions. Oh, no. I'm sure that it's, it's a it's a mixture like anything else like it is a mixture it's a mixture it's you, not it's not a real thing but there's it's great what makes it great is that it's intercut with some real stuff there are some, elements like, okay, of truth over yeah. the top yeah yeah things that aren't and uh the the another thing that makes it really great with that that exact same point is that um they they do hit the hard subjects that you know okay this guy's a, a flandering um alcoholic addict of every kind of thing. And, you know, isn't that going to kill him? Yeah. Okay. They, they do address the part that it's going to kill him, you know, and that's, that's happens. And the, what about, you know, they can't just have kids drinking just beer. Like it's common without that being someone noticing. <laughs> okay. They, they do, they do, they do hit it. You know, what about school? Okay. There's issues with school. Now they'll do it with a lighthearted way somewhat, but the, the show doesn't shy away from, you know, there's consequences to this life and which make it hard. Yeah, there were um, there were elements of the show the the longer it went on because at the in the beginning you're sort of like just just kind of enjoying the ride. You're like oh, and yeah. it's it's funny that this is very similar to how Mad Men is. Like you, you in the beginning you're like, "Oh man, how look how crazy people were in the 60s." Um yeah. And it's kind of not and 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 that idea is always and not always but is generally pretty tiresome to me i'm like yeah, yeah. of course like they're um like things were different sure they let the yeah. kids put a dry cleaning bag on there because they didn't know like you can't judge yeah. them from the modern perspective whatever <laughs> right. um and but it looks weird from the modern perspective now right exactly and so that to say like early on in shameless it's very much like oh man it's crazy look at this it's like kind of fascinating and yeah the longer it goes on the more of it is it becomes more and more uncomfortable to watch like oh it, it, it does I can't wow that's just so like and and maybe but it makes it good though. and maybe that's part of that like like pushing the envelope kind of shock element to it kind of like lost where you're like oh you started this show with with all these questions with all these mysteries and it's so popular that the network is like hey you got to keep this going and you're like okay well i guess we gotta let's throw some some multiple universe theory in there i don't know yeah do do something i think the thing that keeps me going for now going on six seasons five six seasons of shameless is that they they they're doing a decent job of getting that what you're saying like oh we had to put some realism in it had to put some pressure some some uncomfortable things and i'm sure there's that pressure but then they also know that okay well for half of this episode and half of that episode and a major storyline is going to be just a lighthearted kind of goofy ish type thing so that you balance it out with they're struggling with this guy's bipolar mm-hmm. you know condition that's really heavy and real but then it switches to a girl trying to, to fight, you know, the, the youngest girl trying to 
start a, a kickboxing mm. thing outside, you know, which is really silly. Um, so <laughs> yeah. so they, they still do a good job of, you know, bringing it home to like, OK, this is a really serious line, but this one's just fun to watch. You know, like the first season was. Yeah. Um, so you get that intermix thing, and it, while you're everyone's okay, now we're back to the to the serious part. Okay, now we're we're away from it. You know, it, it gives it gives you that carrot at the end of the stick that like, ooh, I should watch the next one to see what's happening on that serious line. Right. Right. You know, because um, I want to wasn't enough. Uh, but anyway, I'm I'm really enjoying that. It's really cool. I think I'm going to blow through all of the seasons that we <laughs> that they have for it, and I did not expect it. I I think it was 60 hours I needed to do to catch up. And I was like, that's not going to happen forever. I'm just going to peter out. But I'm not. And I'm right now talking about it, ready to go watch it again. So watch <laughs> Shameless if you're an adult and you don't you don't uh, offend easily because there's a lot of offensive stuff that you would think. Like, remember one line is that one the one of the, the 13-year-old girl hits puberty and she's she's like wants to lose her virginity. Like, that's what she does the whole season. That's her whole goal. And you're like, <laughs> this just is so uncomfortable, the whole thing, mm, yeah, considering yeah. you've watched her four seasons before when she was like a kid. And you're still like, oh my god, oh man, um, that uh, right? It's like that. You're like, oh man, the whole show. That, but that it, that that storyline gets worse before it gets better. It it, it does. It gets worse before. I don't, it gets I'm better. not going to spoil it for you, but uh, it's rough. Right, right. Not that so, not so, that that's a surprise. Like everything in this show is rough, but um, yeah, it's rough. But but it 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 handles it. I yeah. mean, it, it handles it, and everyone around it handles it. So yeah. It's it's good. I I, rec- I do give it a big as much as we have recently on our shows been like eh, we should watch on shows. Down that, on stuff. That's one that's taken me from from the side, and I really really enjoyed. Yeah. Okay, man. So we got um, end of the effing world for next week. Yep. Yes. Yep. All right. And maybe let's see. Probably not. I was going to say maybe we'll have Captain Chris on, but I don't think. I think. Uh, oh, I hope so. I think our buddy Pat is still in Rome, so. Or Italy, and so yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't make uh, Captain Chris not be able to come on. Well, yeah, I think we were going to have him on after we wrap up episode one of our RPG, but well, we, we'll see. we could bring him on before that. It's it's whatever, whatever happens. We'll see. It's a yeah, we'll, we'll uh, we're we're coming. We can we can talk we can talk about Trek. Actually, it'll be a like an actual Trek inspired thing, and we'll be okay about it. We're coming up on your on your gathering. Maybe we'll do a live show. Oh, that's right. I have a every year. That's coming up actually very soon. We'll have to do that soon. Um, weeks, couple weeks. We have we have a every year I do a like a mini Gen Con type thing with twenty five ish of my friends and um, they come down for the weekend and we just play games twenty four hours a day. Um, watch, watch, we do the stuff we talk about on the show. You know, we sit and watch movies and games and eat food and nerd stuff. You know, good all nerd stuff. So that's coming up and I'm really soon. I'm really excited about that. So you, and you're coming in town for that? Yeah, of course. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we definitely have to have a live show from there. That, that'll be fun. Um, so we got to have Captain Chris on at some point. Next couple of weeks should be pretty fun to have. So stay maybe tuned, everybody. Come back in early. If it, none of this, we'll have to cut all of this out of the show. But uh. <laughs> no, no, we got that, that way. Someday we'll have everyone on maybe, the show. Maybe, come, come maybe we'll show. record Saturday or 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 Sunday before uh, before everybody leaves. And, uh, oh, that's a good idea. While, good while idea. we're all down there. We'll, okay, we'll man. See, we'll well, see. that's that's it for me tonight. I think uh, we saved at least two or three lives, so I'm, I'm feeling good about myself. Yeah. If you if you were gonna watch mute and you don't have time to just just pass on it, it's not that great. Just pass. Yeah, that's that's our that's our thing. Just just pass. But yep. Until next time, I'm Dennis, and I'm Michael for the front porch. Night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>